Hey there, and welcome to the Agency Rockstars podcast. I'm Dana Lindahl, and I'm the founder of LegendaryLeadGen.com, where we help B2B companies become authorities in their industry, set more sales appointments, and convert those appointments into more sales. We also help other agencies sell our patented process on to their own clients. And we truly believe in the value of building and creating relationships, and in that being the main driver of new sales for agencies. So... Stick around to the end of the show. We're going to be revealing how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing agency podcasts on the planet. All right, let's get straight into it. All right, rock stars, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dan, and I am joined today on the stage by another rock star. His name is Casimir Ward. He is the consulting partner at Nexagy. Casimir, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me, Dan. I'm excited to learn more about you, about what you do, all that good stuff. So let's start kind of back it up a little bit. How did you get into running an agency? What's your background, Casmer? Well, my background was uh, in accounting. Uh, I started my career in banking. I actually realized I uh, worked for one of the largest banks in the in the country, and I realized probably in my early 20s, I just was not fit for the corporate world. <laughs> From there, I actually started with a very small engineering construction company. Uh, it was very, very small, but I actually, at 26 years old, got to be their CFO and uh, chief financial officer. I thought, oh my gosh, I've arrived. I've got the big title, you know, yeah. top of the food chain. And even though it was a small company, I kind of was fine being a, um, the, a big fish in a small pond. And what happened was I actually, the company, when I started, wasn't as healthy as I thought it was. It really was a much riskier move than I thought. So leaving a, a, a plush corporate job to finding a company that might be going out of business within a couple months, I really had to reorganize my thoughts and, and how I was going to, uh, what I was going to do next. And I really thought I'm going to start looking for another job. Mm-hmm. So my, my CFO days were about to be limited to about, you know, uh, two months. And what happened actually was I was able to work with the board of directors and the management team and actually build a um, build a strategy with all of them that actually make sure the company made money. And over time, we built the company up from a million to two million. By the time I left, it was a $25 million company. Wow. And it was great. And, and really what happened from there was that spun off and I left to start a small residential engineering firm, which I thought this is what I'll be doing the rest of my life. Well, my partners did not want to, at that time, did not want to grow that company. You know, we started Intelligent Design Engineering 14 years ago. And for the first couple of years, they didn't want to grow. They just wanted to stay the four of us. They just wanted to do, you know, be a small boutique firm. And there just wasn't enough work for me to where I said, well, why don't I do this work for other companies and fill my plate? And that's when I started consulting as a fractional chief financial officer, for companies that were anywhere from a million all the way to 25 million that didn't need to spend the money on a full-time CFO. And that's really where the whole idea came for me to, to really start my agency. Yeah. And so now, so I'll make the assumption then that you have others that work with you at Nexigy that do the same thing for other companies. Are you all kind of that fractional CFO type thing? Like, what does that look like for Nexigy? You know, it's funny. I, I've spent, you know, I've been doing this for, for 14 years, 13, 14 years. And uh, I've spent those last 13, 14 years working with board members, owners, um, leadership teams, and how to replace them. But we need to replicate them before they move on to the next level to scale their company. Mm. However, 
I've needed to do that for the last five years and have just, I preached the preach, but I had never, you know, I never walked the walk. Yeah. Uh, in the last 18 months, I really was like, nope, I've got to follow my own advice. And I really, I've really got to bear down and figure this out. I, I tell everybody else to do it. And I actually help help them do it. But it's so much easier to do it when you're looking from the outside in. <laughs> so I had to spend my time thinking about what makes me unique as a CFO. And I'd love to tell you, Dan, that, oh my gosh, nobody does finance and accounting better than me. I know better concepts than anybody else. And um, I'm using the same concepts. I'm using the same information. Everybody else is out there. I do have experience, but what I found the experience that really kind of made my approach unique is having a really good IT and not that it has to be technology-based, but an information technology-based background on how do we actually follow the information from when the customer submits it to the time it actually hits our financial statements. Oh. And I found that there's a handful of accountants, professionals, chief financial officers that really get the flow of operations that make it up. Lucky enough, I, you know, you 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 want to find one. And I found two at the, the same time. And it worked out perfect that I was able to bring on Kathy and Carolina towards the end of last year. And oddly enough, they, they were very seasoned chief financial officers, but it just was a, it was, I felt like I found my doppelgangers when it came to this role. Nice. Very cool. Um, so let's, let's have a nice uh, story time. If you would, let's pull up a chair by the fireplace here and have a little story time. Um, Share with me a, a, a specific story that highlights a way that you've helped serve your clients. What does that look like? What does a win look like for your clients? So, you know, it, it, it's weird because we started working towards this model, you know, in the past five years on like, you know, what do I like that my clients say about me or what is the the, the biggest success I get? Honestly, I've helped grow revenue. I've helped, you know, increase margins. I've done all these, you know, textbook things. But I'll be honest, what we're finding is time is one of the most valuable things, you know, we, we all have. And um, I've really made a real niche with some of my uh, family owned businesses that I work with in helping them make more money and by working less. OK, so I, like one of the best stories I had was I had a, uh, a, a custom home builder, uh, a, a construction company. And they did everything from building homes to renovations to all these different projects and the, the, they honestly, the owner was working his butt off, but just was barely, you know, making it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to use a little math. It's hard without a whiteboard, but (laughs) if you bear with me, uh, you can't talk with it to an accountant without talking about numbers. Sure. But I I really, uh, you know, kind of no different than the question you asked me. I, I asked my client, I said, what, Give me an uh, give me your perfect project. What's a project you have done in the past couple of years that you're like, oh my gosh, I loved this project. I made good money, and I'd like to do this over and over again. And he said, okay. He goes, it's one of my smaller projects, but let's talk about this. We did a screened-in porch. I said, excellent. How much was the project? He said, it was um, it's a twenty five thousand dollar project. And I said, okay, but how much did it cost? He said, honestly, with costs and everything, it was about $20,000. I said, so you had a $5,000 markup on that project. And, and in that markup, like what was what was involved for you? He said, well, I had an hour of meeting with the client, putting the proposal together. I had, you know, um, I had to check in for 15 minutes once a week with the client. I had to, you know, 
organize all the subcontractors and all that. And then I had to just do a follow-up at the end. He's like, I probably really about five hours all in. I was like, holy moly. So you're telling me you worked for five hours and you walked away with $5,000. And he's like, no, no, I walked away with more. I was like, okay, well, I see why this is the dream project. He said, well, the biggest piece of this was the framing on the screened in porch. It was a $9,000 job. And one of my, my partners said, well, let's not sub that out. Let's do that work together. And we'll keep that 9,000. I said, I can kind of see it makes sense. I said, how long did it take you to do that? He said, well, it took us four weeks working, you know, 30 hours a week. And he, he added it all up and He's like, so I made money on it, but he goes, it was exhausting and it still didn't feel like it's enough money. And I said, well, let's talk about this for a second. You just told me how you made $5,000 in five hours of work. That's a $5,000, that's a $1,000 an hour rate. Yep. You also told me how you had to split 9,000, which is 4,500, working three to four straight weeks. And he's like, yeah, it's like, why don't you not do that and just sell one more job? And what the hell? Let it take you half a week, you know? Spend 10 hours on it. You'll still have made more money in that half a week or a week than you would have after three or four weeks. And honestly, it all clicked with him at that point. Yeah. He now said, I don't, he goes, I don't put a tool belt on my, my hips anymore. If I do, I actually charge my subcontractors because if you need me to step out on the job, that means you're not doing your job. And it changed his whole philosophy on how he makes money as a, as a general contractor. Yeah. Even a non-accountant like me saw that, like, that's a big difference. Instead of working in your business, you're working on your business. And so you're able to scale that that way, I guess, huh? Exactly. And, and here's the thing. That doesn't mean the carpenters, the people that work on their framing are, aren't important. They're extremely important. Sure. But when you find out where you, the real value of finding, finding the client, think about this. How hard is sales? I hate it. I hate the amount of networking and everything I need to do, do to get to a client is there. But if I get more efficient at that, which that that client of mine at the time was better at it than me. He knew how to get the client, scope the project, close the project, complete the project and invoice it out. He was able to do that in five hours I mean, at, a, at a tremendous rate. Like that's what you need to be doing over and over again. And I apply those same rules to myself. This is my favorite example. I've told the story a million times. I, for years, needed a website. And I went out to a developer. I went to one of the cheap, cheaper developers and said, hey, um, I'd like a website. And they said, hey, that'll be $2,000. And I was like, oh my God, that's ridiculous to do a website. I could go to Squarespace. I could go to Wix. I could do it all myself. And that's what I did. You know, Dan, I saved $2,000 and I worked on that website on all my free time for two years to build what is considered the absolute crappiest website that has ever been built. <laughs> and I gave up and I said, I, I went back to the developer. He said, it's $3,000 now. And I was like, oh, you know what? Just be done with it. <laughs> he was done within one week. Yeah. All of that free time that I could have used in other areas where I'm actually qualified it it really it really was the uh, it was eye opening moment because we all do that we undervalue other people's services but we're like 
They can do this better, faster, and more efficient than me. Why am I not paying them? I should, if I'm running my business correctly, for every investment I make in other people, I should be able to go out and make that money in multiples based on what I do in my time. Yeah, no doubt. So what does a great client look like for you? Who do you love to work with? Um, Honestly, I... I love people that are passionate about their business, you know, and I know that is uh, cliche. Everybody says they love their business, but here's the times. There's times you absolutely hate it. And there's sometimes you love it, but you're very, very frustrated with it. So my clients work all the way from the pre-million dollars in revenue all the way up to about 25 million. And I've done larger ones, but really the size of the company isn't important. Um. Again, accounting, finance, strategy, those concepts, whether you're GE or IBM are no different than if you're Joe and Bob's law firm. You know, you're dealing with different scopes of market and things like that. Yes, you should not have me marketing for those companies, but building the company on where you're going to position it within your current industry and keep moving it along so you can grow it. All those concepts are, they're textbook, you know. I'd love to even say I wrote the textbook, but I didn't. (laughs) So, um so uh, so my clients are those that are looking to build their, their business. And some of those that feel like, hey, we, 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 we need to figure out how to scale revenue and how to build that revenue base. Or some of them are based on we're building revenue, but we still aren't seeing the returns on every sale we have. So figuring out all of those metrics, because accounting and finance is intimidating, P- especially QuickBooks and all of these, you know, Wix, all of these softwares, it makes it to where anybody can use them to enter information. But at the end of the day, they don't know what the hell they're looking at when it comes to the reporting. <laughs> no idea. And, and they're canned reports. And I I'm, I always say, Dan, if in your business, you can't tell me what you want on the back of the napkin, uh, then you don't know what you're looking for. But tell me exactly what you want because we can, we can create that report, but we may have to gather the report in a different manner than you're actually recording it at this point in your software mm. or even your general ledger. So interesting. Um, what do, so if, so if the, if the, the, like the revenue doesn't necessarily matter the amount, um, what, what are the pain points you're seeing across those, whether it's the 3 million or the 25 million, are the pain points the same? Like, what are you solving for? Really? It's a people problem, a people and leadership issue. You know, I, I do feel at some point I'm almost getting into the executive coaching business, which I am not. There are people so much more, qualified and professional than I am that can do this. But really what's happening is in order for the business to scale, they need leaders that can lead at that scale of a business, which either means finding a new leader to run the company or elevating the ones that are in there. And with a lot of businesses, regardless of the size, you find a lot of them are so, they're the main salesperson or the main same ops person or, you know, the main marketing person. Sometimes they're all of them at the same time. Yeah. And I spend a lot of time, as I mentioned earlier, that I've had to do in my same is how do we clone myself so I can continue to build my business and have the work that I've been doing con- consistent to go out. And once I figure out that process of, of, of developing my next layer, I can go out, find more business, build more relationships. And hopefully along the way, I'm creating a role that I can elevate those I just brought into the, to the, my current level is I keep scaling with my businesses at all. And it's all uncomfortable. We don't talk about it. It's mm-hmm. really, really uncomfortable. I, I've, I've seen I've seen my, my clients and partners go through it. I'm uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. 
So this fractional CFO thing is so in, so intriguing to me, and I, and I see it happening with other uh, C level executive roles and leaders. Are you seeing a lot of like that C suite and small businesses get built up by fractional leaders, and they're all coming together, or is it just a finance thing? What does that look like? Uh, it's all over the the uh, it's all over the board. I, I got to be honest. I, I work with a guy that's a, a chief marketing officer, Danny Decker. I, I we cross paths a lot, and what happens is you know you know some of these you know more executive marketing positions that you bring in somebody for a couple hundred thousand dollars, but you don't even have the resources to give them so they can be successful at their job. Yeah. So. Until that's all there, like, why would you hire, a, a, you know, if you're hiring a fractional or a full-time CFO, a full-time um, marketing officer, all the operational parts should already be there before they're there. So what we do is we actually spend that time building out the accounting departments, the marketing departments, having, you know, uh, strategic um, partnerships with outside vendors that can actually provide that. Once that's up and running to where that needs full-time attention, that's where we actually spend our time and say, you need a full-time fractional CFO or full-time CFO. I know at my rate, I'm too expensive. We need to go out and find you one. Yeah. Interesting. It's so, it's so cool that it happens across other C-level executives. That leadership role can be different sides of the, of the, the, the C-suite, I, I suppose. Um, yeah. So I've got one last question for you, Casimir, in just a minute here, but I want to make sure listeners enjoying the show uh, can connect with you. How can our audience learn more about you? Well, the best way to learn about me and about my agency is really just to go to my personal webpage, which is www.casmerward.com, uh, C-A-S-S-M-E-R-W-A-R-D.com. From there, you can learn about me as a CFO. You can learn about the book I've, I've uh, written. I also ha- uh, I also teach as an adjunct in the MBA program at Queens University, and there's a link to a, uh, a, a video um a, uh, a video series I've created, which are really uh, interviews with other entrepreneurs telling their stories that I use to teach as case studies in the classroom. Cool. So casmerward.com. And yeah, it's uh, how much does it cost to make a donut and other questions that make us hate accounting? <laughs> yes. I love that. That's so good. Thank so you. good. Um, all right. So here's my big, here's my big moment for you. Um, is there anything over the years that you've learned or any advice you've heard that seems counterintuitive at first, but has that that massive impact on your business once you embrace it? Wow. Um, you know, I hear a lot out there. And um, here, here's one of the things that uh, that I, I really focus on a lot. <laughs> and everybody wants, everybody wants to be successful and everybody wants to make the most amount of money possible. One of the things that's half true is what's your exit strategy? Dan, you're starting up a company. What is your exit strategy? How are you going to monetize this? You know, And everybody starts a business on day one with an idea of how I'm going to get out of it. I mean, it's the most counter. Why would you get into it in the first place if you, you're working on day one of getting out of it? Yeah. In order to get to that exit strategy, you've got to ignore the exit strategy, you literally have to work on operations and figure out how you can make a, a contribution margin or economic gain on your investment. It's that say, simple as that. How can I, you know, um, 
How can I build value within my company? And everybody, and, and this happens a lot in accounting and finance, how can I shuffle the deck? How can I do this? How can I acquire a company that might make my revenue look better and give me a better multiple? And we play all those games. And honestly, some of those people, they, they, I don't want to say they get lucky, but they fight or find a right avenue to unload that company at some point. But some probably sometimes doing a disservice of what they could have made if they would have just stayed in the business. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what I say, if you want to get to a good exit strategy where people are paying a good multiple on your company, you've really got to work on what the, the growth of that revenue is, what the contribution margin is. And if any buyer came in, what is the return on investment they they would get if they bought your company standalone? Mm-hmm. So think about the operations and the, and, and the value, the profit before you're thinking about how to how to get there. Think about building it first. That makes sense. But right. that seems you know, kind of like, counterintuitive. It, it, it does. But what happens is a lot of people are like, we just need to grow revenue. It doesn't mean it matter if we're making money. We need to show growth. You know, yeah. um, that works for Amazon. That works for Facebook. That works for a lot of them. That, that does not work for Cass's company. That does not work for Dan's company. For yeah. most companies, that is not the rule, you know, the rule of yeah. thumb. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for the advice. Thanks for the insight, Casmer Ward. Uh, Appreciate you. It was a a lot of fun. Go to CasmerWard.com to check out uh, everything to do with you and your company. So thanks, sir. All right. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks for listening to the Agency Rockstars podcast. If you're an agency owner who would like to appear in this podcast, please visit legendaryleadgen.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you found this episode valuable, I would really appreciate you sharing it on social media. Even just a quick screenshot of the episode showing on your phone shared to social media would be great. If you truly enjoyed the episode, we'd also really love a rating in your favorite podcast player. Please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dana Lindahl, and if you want to connect, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find more information about everything we're currently doing at legendaryleadgen.com. Thanks for listening, and hope to hear from you soon.